0: Hello and welcome to our weekly message. In today's message, Pastor Myron continues our Advent Sermon series looking at the different original songs of Christmas. This week's message is called Simeon's Song of Promise from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 25.
1: Now I'm sure you've heard the saying, as slow as Christmas. And we get it. I well remember as a kid waiting and waiting and waiting for a Christmas morning that seemed like it would never arrive. And now your kids or your grandkids, in fact, I was just talking to my granddaughter a few days ago. I mean, they're waiting and waiting and waiting for Christmas Day to arrive, and it's just six sleeps away from today, but that can seem like six weeks. And so the phrase, as slow as Christmas. When I was a kid, my mom had a novel way for my sis, my bro, and for me of sort of trying to at least in our minds speed things up so far as Christmas morning was concerned. And so her line of reasoning went like this say it was six days until Christmas. She would say, well, it's today, so today doesn't really count. And Christmas Day is the day, so that day doesn't really count. So it's not six days to Christmas, it's only four. This morning, as we continue in our Songs of Christmas teaching series, we're going to study together Simeon's Song of Promise. It's found in Luke chapter 2 and verses 22 to 35. And Simeon is a person who appears briefly on the pages of Scripture. But make no mistake, he was waiting and waiting and waiting earnestly, eagerly, expectantly for Christmas and the birth of the Lord Jesus. It had been revealed to Simeon by the Spirit of God that he would not die until he had seen with his own eyes the Lord's Messiah. And so Simeon... Was waiting with expectancy for the experience of this promise of the Spirit of God to him to be unfolded in his life. Look first of all then at verses 22 to 24, we see the presentation of the Savior. Verse 22 When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses. Joseph and Mary took him, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the law of the Lord every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. I'm going to guess that with the events of that first Christmas night still fresh with wonder in their minds. The birth for Mary and Joseph of their son in the stable and laying him in a manger. And the story of angels and the visit of the shepherds. With all of that still in their mind when Jesus was about six weeks old. His mom and dad took the eight kilometer journey from Bethlehem to the temple in Jerusalem. And of course they brought Jesus with them. And they went to the temple to participate in two Very important observances according to the Old Testament Mosaic Law. The first was the purification after childbirth. According to the law, when a woman gave birth to a boy, she was ceremonially unclean for 40 days. And following that time, she was to go to the temple in Jerusalem and offer in sacrifice to the Lord a lamb. Or if the family was poor, two doves was also an acceptable sacrifice. On the screens you'll see a picture. It's a thousand year old painting from the Byzantine era. Of Mary presenting Joseph in this ceremony according to the law at the temple. And there is Joseph behind bringing the two doves. Now the fact that Jesus' parents would bring two doves on that day as an offering. According to the Mosaic law tells us that Jesus was born into a household of very modest means. This was a poor home. What's also fascinating is that on that day as Mary and Joseph, as devout followers of Yahweh, participated in faith in these observances after the Old Testament Mosaic Law, they were actually giving demonstration to the fact that they believed in the coming of Messiah one day who would be the once for all sacrifice for sin. And of course that Messiah was the very baby that they carried into the temple. Well, the second ceremony, according to the law that Mary and Joseph participated in then, according to the verses, and Luke is careful to explain this to us so that we will understand that Joseph and Mary were very careful as followers of Yahweh to live in obedience to the Old Testament law, as was their heart's desire as an honor to God. The second ceremony then they participated in was the consecration or the redemption of the firstborn. So on that day in the temple, Mary and Joseph would have presented Jesus to the priest as unto God. Kind of, sort of like our child dedication. But on that day, they also would have had to pay the priest five shekels to redeem or buy back their son. This is profound, isn't it? Imagine the Redeemer of the world on that day in history himself being redeemed. Now again, Joseph and Mary were very careful, as Luke describes for us, to observe all of the appropriate practices according to the Old Testament law. As for the Lord Jesus, he would experience and live under all of the customs and aspects of the law that were common to his Jewish fellow sisters and brothers in that era. Not only would Jesus our Lord live under all of the aspects of the law, as the word of God tells us, he would fulfill the law perfectly by his once for all perfect sacrifice in the cross of Calvary. He would set us free from having to practice the ceremonial aspects of the law, even as his mom and dad did that day in the temple, so that today we don't bring doves or lambs with us to church. For their son, our Lord Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, he is the once for all sacrifice for sin. Well, so it was on that day in the temple then, that Mary and Joseph, with their newborn son Jesus, met a guy there by the name of Simeon. Note, secondly, the person of the singer. Verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, His righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. There's a lot that we don't know about this mysterious person that appears briefly on the pages of Scripture by the name of Simeon. We don't know his background, we don't know his hometown, we don't know his education, we don't actually know his vocation. It's assumed, and kind of inferred in scripture, that he was a priest in the temple, but it's not explicitly stated. According to tradition, Simeon was 113 years old when this moment unfolded. That may or not have been the case. Again, we don't know for sure, though it seems to be inferred in the word of God that Simeon was a man advanced in years. So there's lots we don't know about him. But Luke points out some things that we do know about Simeon. First of all, Simeon was a person of faith. Luke describes him as being righteous and devout. He was a genuine follower of faith. By faith of Yahweh, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Simeon was also a person of focus. It had been revealed to Simeon by the Spirit of God that he would not conclude his journey in this life and move to the life to come until he had met the Lord's Messiah, the consolation of Israel. And so experiencing the fruition of that promise by the Spirit of God to him was at the top of Simeon's bucket list. He was focused on that particular moment, and had he been waiting for weeks, for months, perhaps for years, when he would have an encounter with the promised Messiah of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, in the moments recorded on a passage of Scripture, that was actually unfolding. So there was Simeon, a man of faith, a man of focus. A young wife and a new mom wandered by the nursery in their home. And she saw her husband standing, kind of hovering over the crib. And it was just this kind of poignant moment. She paused just to observe. And she saw in her guy's face all kinds of emotions. Amazement, awe, bewilderment, concern. Finally, she walked into the nursery, slipped her arm into her husband's arm, and said, honey, tell me what you're thinking right now. He turned to his wife and he replied, "It's incredible, babe. I just don't know how Costco can sell a crib this good for 149 bucks." <laughs> kind of a cheesy story, like no new dad would do that, right? But it's a reminder to us that the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Simeon was dialed in. He was focused. And he was going to settle for nothing less than meeting Jesus. Friends, there are so many wonderful things that are a part of our lives in these days. And in these closing days of Advent, let's make sure that above all else, we don't miss having a fresh encounter with our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, in the next verses, then, we see the promise of the song. These verses actually bring us to Simeon's brief song. Verse 27. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have now promised you may dismiss your servant in peace. Those two words, now dismiss, in the Latin translation of the New Testament, give the title for Simeon's song according to church tradition, and that title is the Nunc Dimittis, and it simply means now dismiss. The very first two words of verse 29 in the Latin translation of the New Testament. Verse 30 For my eyes have seen your salvation, which have you have prepared in the sight of all nations a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. There was Simeon that day in the temple and seeing Joseph and Mary, he had an encounter with them and he took their child into his arms. And in that moment, Jesus would have looked for all the world like an ordinary Jewish baby boy. With Simeon, with eyes of courageous faith and with prophetic insight, professed and declared boldly in that moment, this is the Lord's Messiah. This child is the consolation of Israel. And then Simeon said some incredible things. He said, this child, this child, Father God, is your salvation to all nations, to both the Jewish people and to the Gentile people. That was an incredible thing for Simeon to declare in that day. For that was an era in history in which there was great racial tension and enmity between the Jewish people and the Gentile people. I mean, the Gentiles were represented in the Romans, who were occupying their land and occupying Jerusalem, and the Gentiles were keeping the Jewish people under their thumb with their iron fisted rule. And yet, in that moment, Simon acknowledged that the Lord Jesus, the consolation of Israel, the Lord's Messiah, that he was God's salvation for all people all over the world. Now, I've got another picture. This picture is the presentation of Jesus to Simeon. And Simeon is holding Jesus in his arms. And it's a Dutch painter from about 300 years ago. The Helder who was a disciple of Rembrandt. I want us to come back to what Simeon said about the child that he held in his arms. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. Focus on that word Salvation. It literally means one fit to save. Our Lord Jesus Christ was and is the only one who could be the Savior of the world. And on what basis? First of all, Jesus is the very eternal Son of God. And only as God Almighty could our Lord Jesus come into our world and live the perfect life that we could never live. And then on the cross of Calvary, willingly sacrifice himself giving His righteousness for our unrighteousness. And as the infinite Son of God, the one without beginning and end, the creator of everything that is, the Lord Jesus alone could give sacrifice for an infinite number of sinners. And as a flesh and blood person, and only as a real person, could the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary suffer and bleed And die for us, for our sins, and be raised to life victoriously three days later. Yes, Jesus was and is uniquely qualified to be the only Savior of the world. The 4th century early church father Jerome once had a dream. And in his dream, the Lord Jesus came to him. And in that moment, in his dream, Jerome rounded up all the money that he could find and he gave it as an offering to the Lord Jesus. But Jesus said, I don't want your money. So in his dream, Jerome rounded up all of his possessions, all of the things that he had, and he gave that as an offering to Jesus who again said, I don't want your possessions. So finally in his dream, Jerome asked the Lord, what do you want from me? And Jesus said, give me your sins. That's what I came for. Our Lord Jesus still proclaims that truth today. Give me your sins. Confess your sinfulness. Turn to me in faith and I will forgive you and change your life for time and for eternity. Have we met this Lord Jesus who is the Christ of Christmas? Finally then, we have the prophecy of the sorrow. Simeon. In verses 33 to 35, concluded his words to Joseph and Mary with words that were profound and challenging. Verse 33, the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Surely Joseph and Mary understood something of the uniqueness of the life of their child, but they couldn't have comprehended, I don't suppose, in a thousand lifetimes everything that was represented in the baby that they brought to the temple that day. And so they marveled at all of this. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Commentators suggest that because Simeon, at this point in the encounter, specifically turned to Mary and directed his thoughts to her, that this indicates that Joseph, the legal father of the Lord Jesus, would pass away before Christ entered his public ministry. There's some conjecture, some speculation in that. It seems to make sense to me. At any rate, Simeon said three things to Mary. And he used three word pictures. He said, Mary, your boy is going to be a stone. For many people, they will confess their sins and turn to the Lord's Messiah in faith. And be forgiven and be restored to relationship with God and by God's grace. They will build their lives on the solid rock. But for others... They will reject the Lord Jesus and in some cases even openly despise him. And for them, the Lord Jesus will be a stumbling stone that will cause them to trip. What's for sure, as has been true throughout church history, is that when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, there can be no neutrality. Because he claimed to be God incarnate. And the only Savior of the world, and the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to know the Father. When it comes to the Lord Jesus, there's no room for neutrality. The second thing that Simeon said to Mary was, your boy will be a sign. A sign to Israel and to all the nations. A sign of what? A sign of Almighty God. God incarnate, God come in the flesh. People want to know what God Almighty is like. Look no further. Then the incarnate son of God, his Jesus, the very son of God. And then, Simeon said to Mary, and a day will come when a sword will pierce your heart. In a cemetery, a beautiful cemetery, Evan Cemetery, just outside of Dublin. A cemetery filled with beautiful Celtic high crosses is a tombstone, and it's marked, it's etched in Gaelic, but translated into English. It reads as this. Death leaves a heartache no one can heal. Love leaves a memory no one can steal. Over these last 22 months, my friends, not a few of us in our harvest family, we've experienced loss. And in some deeply poignant sense, we identify with that statement. Simeon was telling Mary that a day would come in her life when as a mom she would surely identify with it. Fast forward three decades to that day in history, that Friday in history, in which Mary, the mother of our Lord Jesus, would sit at the foot of the cross upon which her son hung and suffered in agony. And Jesus did that willingly for us in love to pay for our sins To purchase our salvation to be the one alone who could set his people free. Friends, this Advent, in its closing days, as we move ever closer to Christmas Day. Four simple thoughts in conclusion. Be sure in these closing days of Advent to reflect on the promise of the Christ Mass. Take time to reflect. The promise given to Simeon. The promise given to each of us. And receive. Receive by faith if you've not already done so. The Lord Jesus Christ of Christmas. Into your life as your only Savior and Lord. And respond in obedience as Simeon did in these days of Advent. To any direction the Spirit of God would bring into your life. And then resound with joy. The message of Christmas. Christmas is all about Emmanuel. And even in these days of continued uncertainty, he's our Emmanuel. He's God with us. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, in these moments we reflect on the promise that you gave to that gentleman Simeon and In our mind's eye, we go back to that scene that would have unfolded in the temple in Jerusalem when Simeon confessed with prophetic insight and wisdom by the Spirit of God the absolute truth that our Lord Jesus is salvation and that for the whole world. Lord Jesus, thank you for in the mercy and grace of God transforming the lives of not a few people who are worshiping together this morning. And for that person or persons who may well be at a different point in their spiritual journey, Lord Jesus, in your mercy, by your Spirit, and through your people, in these days of Advent, as we anticipate Christmas Day, would you show yourself in your wonder and your mercy and your love in unmistakable ways to such a one. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for a weekly message. This day, as we anticipate Christmas Day, which is nearly at hand, the day on which we celebrate our Lord's birth, let us take time to marvel at the wonder of the Christ Mass. God's promised Messiah come to earth for us, to rescue us from our sins. And like Simeon, yield today to the Holy Spirit moving you in any way in obedience to Jesus that he would and then choose to be a messenger to the people in your world of the wonderful story of Christmas. Now these words from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do measurably more than we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. May God bless you as you go into the remainder of your day to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus.